0: Faith is a place of mystery where we find the courage to believe in what we cannot see and the strength to let go of our fear of uncertainty. Our guests featured in this series will share with you their faith journeys of letting go of fear and uncertainty in this mysterious space called Faith. It is a series built to help remind us to have the courage and strength to let go of our own fears. Lindsay Hale is a courageous storyteller who shares her heart through authentic and transparent stories about faith, marriage, parenting, her five children, yes, I said five, and leadership. With over a decade of experience as a top leader with 31 gifts, Lindsay has grown her heart for empowering women. She speaks right from the heart in a direct and fun-loving way that is both encouraging and refreshing. She is also the recent author of Lifted, How to Ditch Fear, Obligation, and Guilt, and Live Your Best Life. In this episode, We learn how Lindsay released her fear associated with finances and how that faith step grew her faith deeper every day since. Her message teaches us that we too can lift ourselves out of the fog of life and get into the clarity of the best version of ourselves that we are created to be. I am honored to amplify for you Lindsay Hale's faith story. Welcome, Lindsay Hale, to the In Awe podcast. I am so thrilled that we are connected and that my listeners are going to come to your story today. Welcome, welcome.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me, Sarah. Lindsay,
0: I know that my listeners are going to really resonate with your message today, who you are as a person and what you're trying to do in the world. So could you just share a little bit about what you're currently up to? What's your context?
1: A little bit about me is I'm actually a mother of five, and I always feel like I need to tell everyone that first because it kind of helps people relate to who I am and what I do and to know that um, kind of what I'm doing is possible at every stage of life. So I am, um, I'm a mom of five. I live in a little town um, in Illinois and have, um, I'm married to my high school sweetheart. So um, I am also a top leader with um, a company called 31 Gifts. And that's kind of where my story began, I guess. I I really just decided that um, I was going to join this little direct selling company because I needed to make an extra $300 a month. And um, in doing that, I kind of fell in love with leading and helping women. I had no idea that I had a voice for any of that. and. Here I am, twelve years later, and um, recently um, wrote a book, and I guess that makes me an author and um, a speaker too. So that's where I'm at, kind of in a nutshell.
0: I love your story, and uh, there's so much that we could say. When people say, "What are you up to?" right, and it and I, five kids. So I'm from a family of seven. So I, oh. not that I have my own seven. No, let me clarify.
1: <laughs> but <laughs> well, grew up in. You we were probably. Because you were raised in a house with seven. Oh my goodness!
0: Yes, so I can relate to that from the perspective of being a child of a, of, you know, that, and what crazy frenetic pace that creates for you. But I love so much that you are bringing this message of life and. Uh, that we can have so many different titles and that we can do them well. And I have had the opportunity to read just a little bit of your book. And so I'm excited for the listeners to hear about that and the message contained in it. And so we have you featured. We talked about this in the pre-chat. We could put you really anywhere in the In Awe podcast because there's so much that you can add value to. But we have you featured in the Faith series. So would you be willing to just share a little bit about you know, your faith journey? And I know that's a loaded question, but why you live a life that that has you speaking through that lens?
1: My book is called, I don't think I even said this, but it's called Lifted and it's subtitled How to Ditch the Fear, Obligation and Guilt and Live Your Best Life. And um, while my faith journey um, isn't really talked about in that book, I I think it's all about faith. Really. It's about stepping out and doing something that, um, you really have no idea what's going to happen next. So when I, um, when I first had kids, I, I guess even before that, I kind of saw myself as a a rebellious kid. I really was, um, the kid that was always kind of in trouble. I always joke that they had a permanent seat for me in detention and I was very outspoken. Um, I did lots of crazy things when I was younger, and really um, just fueled myself on fitting in with with everyone else and. In that, at some point in my life, I decided, you know what, I'm going to start following the rules a little bit better. Maybe life would go better if I just started following the rules. So I so I did all the things that you're supposed to do. I went to college. I uh, married my high school sweetheart. We had a couple of kids. We got this cute little house in a great neighborhood. And I found myself just kind of miserable and hating my world and thinking like, what in the world did I get myself into? I've got everything I'm supposed to have and why am I so miserable? And, um, so along this process, I had joined this mom's group that was at my church and we were just kind of dabbling in, in church at the time, to be honest with you, I wasn't really sure where I was in my faith. And so, um, started, I joined this mom's group and literally, I don't know. We were, we were in a group one day and they wanted us to write something out to leave at the foot of the cross. Um, Just something that we were really worried about. And at the time finances were so tight for us. I mean, it was just absolutely like we could not make ends meet. And I really, really wanted to stay at home with my kids. I had tried all the jobs and none of them were working out for me. Again, I just kind of felt myself just being unsatisfied. And so I laid my finances at the foot of that cross. And I just remember leaving it there and just bawling like the ugly cry. And it was maybe two days later, someone had told me about 31 and I thought to myself, um, you know, I could, I could maybe not do this, but then I, I reevaluated. that the only reason I wouldn't do this is because of fear of looking like a fool. And so I, I stepped out in faith and I tried it and I've, I mean my faith has grown so much in that one step. I mean I was so scared. I I can't even explain to you. I remember sending the email to say to tell my friends and family that I was doing this and thinking, "Oh my gosh, I am going to make the biggest fool of myself doing this." And every step of the way since then I have asked myself, "Are you doing this out of fear, obligation, and guilt?" And I've prayed before those decisions and I find that the more afraid I am. And I step through and use my faith to do it. I mean, God just shows up every time in a big way.
0: really uh, inspiring to think that you had this fear and you're kind of pushing through it by reminding yourself. And I think that anybody who steps out in faith in the little and large ways understands that it doesn't mean that the the journey's over. I learned that. I actually just recently messaged about that too, that my one word this year is, is slay because I thought that walking away from my security and my title was the giant that I had to slay. And what I've learned is actually it's not, it's what was beyond that. (laughs) So I love that you said your faith has grown through this through this um, challenge. And you also referenced the, the fog. Would you share, uh, what in that fear, obligation, and guilt, it's kind of like the main message of your book. So we can kind of tie that to your faith story. You just want to share a little bit more about how you walk your readers through that.
1: Sure. So, um, I had actually gone into a therapy session and the therapist had said to me, basically your life is very normal. No one is happy just stop making decisions based on fear, obligation, and guilt. And I left that session thinking, well, I need a new therapist. And, <laughs> and thinking, how dare he say that? But then, you know, as I referenced before, it was the thing that I asked myself before I did something that totally changed my life. So I started kind of making that decision in everything I do. So I ask myself, I mean, in everything. And I, I know that sounds silly, because I have to constantly remind myself of it too. But it was just like the little things in life and the details. And this was, you know, 13 years ago. So it was really before Pinterest world, but gosh, I think that's just made it worse where Mm. you're so confused about everything. Like as a mother, should I, you know, is it okay for me to bottle feed if, if I'm, if that's the place I'm at right now. And, you know, that was back when there was this big, you know, controversy on whether you get vaccines, and I was just like paralyzed in my fear. And um, then there were all these obligations of showing up at all of the PTO meetings when that really, in all honesty, wasn't part of what I was called to do. There's, I mean, listen, I think that PTO moms are amazing. I'm just not a PTO mom, so <laughs> there was just like all these fears, and then there were like these these obligations that I was doing, and then I was feeling guilty because I was not enough, and all. of those worlds. So my book message is really about how you use your fears and replace those with forgiveness. Um, Sometimes that forgiveness is of yourself. Sometimes it's of the people around you who have maybe hurt you and kind of created who you are today. Um, Those obligations, um, we need to replace those with opportunities for us that are created by God. So, you know, one person's Opportunity is my obligation, and vice versa, right? Um, And then replacing guilt with grace, like giving yourself a little grace. Like we were never meant to do all the things.
0: I really appreciate that you bring up the fact that you've been on this journey for so long and that Pinterest didn't even exist. And I know that you reference probably the fear of missing out and that comparison, basically, is what you've alluded to when we look around the world and we think, oh, you know, she can make the, the, cake. I can see all these wonderful moms making beautiful cakes and crap for their kids' birthday parties. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be, that's someone else's opportunity. (laughs) That's my
1: obligation in life. Exactly. And I mean, I know that you are an educator. And so whenever I refer, reference PTO, you're probably like, oh my gosh, those are like the best people ever. And, you know, when I started doing things like that, I really wanted to show up for my kids. But then I realized, you know, it's, I mean, it is a gift, but it's a gift that people have to organize adults. It's really not. It wasn't about spending time with my child. So I had to ask myself, like, is this the best way that I'm serving where I need to show up? Right.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So anyway, it's just interesting how we try to show up in places that we don't really belong. And it's. So daunting.
0: What a what a profound statement that we try to show up in places we don't belong. And for those listening that have experienced this before, maybe you've gone to uh, that image of the PTO meeting and you realize. I love how you say it's really about organizing adults and not being with my kid, but you don't know until you're there, you know, until you show up at that table and you realize that's that's not what this is about. But I think that's like right. like you said is so much of it's so much about that, and finding your passion and your gifts and how to serve best. And so can you just share a little bit about your successes with the 31? Because I really want my listeners to hear how that tiny little leap uh, that felt like so big and sending this email to your friends and family, this fearful kind of impostery feeling that you had turned into something incredible.
1: Yeah. So interestingly, it took me years to get over that little that little voice in my head that said that this was just that little leap. Um, So when I was growing up, kind of a backstory, um, my dad and stepmom were involved in a direct selling company. And I always thought this is such a joke. I mean, that was always my thought in my head. Like, this is scammy. It's not... in all honesty, I mean that was just kind of there were all these big, lofty dreams that I never kind of saw come to fruition, and so that was never something I was gonna do ever in my life. <laughs> so I would say that's a pretty big piece of why I was so scared and so anyway, I started to make an extra three hundred dollars a month. that was my goal. My husband and I had lived um up in Wisconsin for a while, and then we moved. Um, to Illinois, where we're from. And I had found out that I was pregnant two weeks after we moved and I had planned on getting a job and so had to stay home. And what, what we found, well, I didn't have to, but I was struggling with finding a job, being pregnant. And, um, anyway, Long story short, we needed an extra $300 a month. So that's what I started for. I honestly thought, you know what, I'm going to do this for three months, just buy myself a little bit of time till my um, my first daughter, So she was going to be like, you know, six or eight months old by the time I was done. And I, it just, I started realizing that it wasn't about selling something it was about falling in love with people and helping people and just really um being passionate and not being afraid to tell people what you do and there's so many people doing side hustles right now like side hustle is kind of a buzzword that you hear from everyone so whether that be like uber or being an author or being a speaker or doing a direct selling company or whatever it is um you know Etsy, people oftentimes just kind of sell themselves short by not sharing what they're doing because they have this little talk in their head about how it's not a big deal. Well, I started sharing and I didn't even really realize what I was doing. And that little um, step forward uh, has is now I have over 5,000 women on a team that I lead. And um, wow. I lead that team with about 75 other leaders. So, that is kind of where I've come from then just to sort of um, branch out. And I have so fallen in love with watching other women do the same thing, women who just didn't ever think they were capable of doing things and watching their faith grow at the same time.
0: You just dropped that like, you know, 5000. I work with a team of 75 leaders, like it's nothing. But (laughs) when you say that you started sharing, what did that platform kind of look like? when you started branching and getting further than just maybe your own client base?
1: Oh my gosh. Well, that's what I always tell people is that it cost $99 for me to get started. And I started with a kit that was just this tiny little kit and two friends. I mean, that's what it was. It was my $99 kit and find two friends that will have a party for you. And then those two friends invite two friends and those two friends invite two friends. And pretty soon you don't know anyone. And, you know, back in those days, we didn't do the online partying. Like you probably see a lot of now everything was in a home. And so before long, I was just in front of a lot of people I didn't know and kind of discovering who I was. I actually have a degree in communications, but had found myself just deathly afraid to speak in front of people because I had covered myself in that fear, obligation, and guilt so much that I, I didn't quite know who I was anymore. So each time, each little step forward, just that consistency in saying, you know what, I'm going to show up today. I'm just going to show up this one more time. Like, do I have one more in me? Can I do this one more time? And I even remember one time my mom said to me, every single month you call me, Lindsay, and every month you say, I can't do this anymore. I don't have anything going on. And then you pull it out. And it was like, what did I do? And all I did was say to myself, can I do one more? And then I just got really intentional about connecting with women and asking them questions about themselves. And the more you find out about women, the more you realize how disconnected we really are and how much we long for someone to see us and to invite us to the next party or invite us to um, coffee and just to get to know us and it's crazy to me because we're also afraid to invite someone but everybody's waiting for someone to invite them
0: how interesting and it and i bet you saw that at such a a fine tuned level when you were doing the face-to-face.
1: Oh my goodness. Yeah. And you know what? I see it even more now in all honesty, because so much of it is online that I almost see it more now because people will withdraw and hide, hide behind their computers so often and, and fool themselves into thinking that that's the same as that face-to-face connection. But there is just something so raw and honest about that voice-to-voice connection, just like we're doing right now. I mean, had I had a chance to type what I was getting ready to say to you, I probably would have, you know, backspaced and deleted ten times before I actually pressed send. So, so you get the unedited version of me, Sarah.
0: <laughs> Yay, we love the unedited version on the A podcast, and uh, Lindsay, I just love it. it because we we do find that social media can be a really great connector in just getting people started, but deepening that connection requires more investment, just like any relationship,
1: right? Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So I love that you, so we branched, so we're talking about how this business grew your faith. Is it the circle back to understanding who you are because you started out with a communications degree?
1: Yeah, definitely. Oh, for sure. I mean, in finding that, yeah, let me kind of clarify on that because I know I mentioned at the very beginning that I always saw myself as this rebellious kind of, I I kind of want to say, like, I looked at myself as kind of a loser, like you're never really going to amount to much. And that's a hard thing to say out loud, but it's really true. And what I found is that later in life, someone had kind of reframed that thought process. And she said to me, you know, you, you see yourself as rebellious, but what you are is really courageous and brave. And, um, what I, what I saw then was, every time I walked into a home to present in front of someone or every time I invited someone to join my team or every time I spoke to someone about a new product, it was me exercising that courage in a positive way. So it was kind of coming, I guess, coming together and understanding how God created me and really embracing that and saying, you know what, not everybody has this gift. And, um, you know, I think like as a kid, If you don't mind, I'm just going to kind of go on a little tangent here. But as a kid, like you're you're always taught, you're good at reading, you're good at math, and you're good at writing. And is your handwriting good? And so then you get older and you're kind of like, what am I good at? And you'll hear people say, well, I'm good at numbers or I'm good at writing or I'm good at speaking. And what I needed to know wasn't what I was good at. If I got hired somewhere, I needed to know what I was good at in humanity. Like, where do I fit in the world? And what is my character? Not what am I good at?
0: And so that's really fascinating, because there is that chicken before the egg, you know, we got to build these skills to be able to get you to that space. But I love that you point out the character piece. And I know that in education, we are, circling into a lot of people focusing on character education. My husband and I have both been in education for quite a little while, and he's been in the classroom longer because I took time out uh, to be a principal <laughs> and got to see a lot of different classrooms. But we were just having a conversation the other day about how critical it is that we help students explore more than the reading and the, and the skills and all of that. It, because even now, look at how you are using all of this self-reflection to grow and to grow others and to multiply others and what you're doing. So I really value you said to my audience, those that are in education, many are that you're hearing that piece to remember this because we know it, but how do we walk it out?
1: Yeah. And it's so interesting because, um, you know, speaking of that, like growing up, I was terrible at math. I mean, when I tell you terrible, I mean, I think I finished high school with like pre-algebra and my seventh grade son is like ahead of me in math. But then when I'm teaching people, I'm just the other day, we have this incentive that we're working for. And I was saying, I I was basically giving them a story problem. (laughs) I was saying, okay, so if so-and-so signs up and you get 2000 points for this. And I mean, as I was speaking, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm really good at math. It's just, I didn't know how it was benefiting me back then. And and like I said, you know, if we can kind of hone into what are we good at, and you can apply that to any job, you can love anywhere you're at, because you can really see yourself for just really the way God made you and honestly, in your faith, embracing that. And so one of the things that I I strongly encourage and I can't wait to do this with my kids is I don't know if you're familiar with um strength finders
0: yes please speak about it share share what you know
1: oh my gosh I love it so strength finders is just this test you take and it really kind of dives into who you are as a person and like what are you well they really give you your top five gifts and so um it tells you, kind of gives gives you a summary of, hey, this is, this is something you're really gifted at. And then it kind of takes all your gifts and puts them together and says, these would be good jobs for you. So like for me, it's, I'm a communicator. I'm an activator. I am an achiever. So all of these things I was reading about myself, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have the perfect job for myself. And I never knew it. And I'm kind of obsessed with taking all these personality tests anyway. I just love it because it does help you see what your character is because I do find that so many women struggle when you ask them, like, what are you, what makes you stand out in the world? And they, they
0: don't know. Do you think, and part of that is because wherever you're, you're getting them at in life, we're striving, you know, we strive. It's always, that's the, I don't know, it's the American culture because it's always what's next. You know, like you said, you followed the rules, you went to college, you got married, you had kids. And that's always the next question that we find is, well, you know, you finally, finally get married. So now when are you going to have kids? And then, and, and so, yeah, I mean, even in a career path, I got my license to be a principal when I was 26 years old. And for some people, that was just not good enough. They are like, okay, so when are you gonna be a superintendent? Right. And that's okay. You know, it's fine. You you we need to have people that want us to strive. But at what point do you look around and and remember that, like you said, you're gonna look at your character strengths and how can you be using your gifts for God's glory? Since this is a faith series, we can infuse that in more. It's surprising how often we just kind of go through the motions and and follow our own path and it's not always bad and it's certainly not always intentionally wrong but sometimes if, if we would just sit and listen or sit and reflect or sit and grow in and, and that self-assessment, I love that you said that, to figure out what it is that our strengths truly are. And we might find that they're completely different than what we're working on right now, or they could be honed more.
1: Yeah. And one of the things, um, you know, as, a, as an educator, I'm sure you know, is that everybody always asks, and I you've probably even heard this before, but they always ask, you know, what do you want to be? And so we really try <laughs> yes. to keep our kids focused on who do you want to be? So you can't really avoid people saying like, "What do you want to do? Like, what what do you love?" So like, I have um, one of my my oldest daughter is so good with kids, and so sometimes you know she'll say, "You'll say, what do you want to what do you want to be when you grow up, Addison?" And she'll say, "Well, I, I want to do something with kids. I think I want to be a teacher." Okay, awesome. What kind of teacher do you want to be? What are some of the characteristics that you think that a good teacher possesses? And so that way she can kind of keep focused on. Um, who she is instead of what she should be doing, because we have these checklists, right? Like you have a checklist of in order to be a principal, I need to, you know, do this, do this, do this, do this. But in there, where is the, like, who am I when I'm doing those things, you know, because we can get so that that to do list gets so crowded with those obligations that then we lose the fact that, you know, at the core of us, we wanted to be a principal because we wanted to impact you know, maybe impact a child's life in in their home more or be more in touch with the parents so that we could educate the parents on how to take what we're teaching them here and bring it into their home. So anyway, I just feel like if we can keep them focused on that character of like, what, you know, who did, who does God say you are and how can you bring that to whatever work you do every day.
0: You are speaking my language, Lindsay Hale. There is a reason we got connected when we did. I often say we need to resist the idol of a title. It's too easy. Um, and it really, Love that. Yeah, it's, it's truly something that I've been trying to live because in the space of not like, you know, ripping a title off my name, now what am I? And you get it back down to the bare bones, you're Lindsay. And so what is Lindsay? And, um, and that was before you were mama. And so I know that women, um, and I, I believe men go through this too. But I think that women can really experience identity crisis when we start layering on all those blessings, and we we lose who we are, you know, the daughters of Of Christ that we were born to be. And so it's that striving to find it again, or to evolve into the best version of ourselves. And I love that you're talking about signature strengths on this podcast, because it's something that I've been really spending a lot of time with lately. And so the timing for me is perfect, because you're reminding me and bring it to the forefront about the importance of that. So thank you.
1: Yeah. And you know what, um, when you talk about women and in all of this, and one thing I always just like to mention, because I am so it blows my mind, especially for you as an educator. And I don't know if you know the statistic, but did you know that they say statistically that a girl's self-esteem peaks by the age of nine and then it starts going down. So I have a daughter that'll be nine in two weeks. And I keep thinking, oh my goodness, right now she loves herself more than she ever will. Unless I draw out in her what she can really stand on. Not like I'm a good tumbler or I'm a good singer, but like, I'm great at, I mean, this, my child in particular, like she's so vivacious. I mean, sometimes I'm not sure it's a good characteristic to parent, but she is so vivacious. She's got so much life in her and energy that's so contagious. And she can make a friend in any room and people are just so drawn to her and reminding her, that's who God created her to be. And people will kind of try to squash that and just kind of keep her focused mm. on, um, because it is, I mean, it's hard as like, that's why I saw myself as rebellious, right? Cause I see a lot of me and, and her, she's my youngest daughter and she's just, she's very spunky. And I love that about her, but it can be so hard as it, you know, someone who's got authority over her to control it. Um, so how it's such a fine balance of reminding her that this is such a good characteristic, but we have to help, like, we have to control it a little bit.
0: <laughs> Again, another connection. I've got um, two daughters and one very similar, and it's, I have to frequently remind myself, my husband, that we can channel these strong personality traits into good. We just have to not get so angry.
1: <laughs> I had a principal one year who I I had gotten in trouble for standing up for myself to a teacher. And I mean, I'm certain that it walked a very, very black area of respect. I'm sure I was not being respectful, but I got, I got in, in pretty big trouble for it. So the principal had called my mom in and he had said, here's the thing with her. You will never have to worry about her because she will always be courageous enough to stand up for herself. My mom always says you were the hardest kid to raise, but he was right. Like she said, after he said that to me, I was able to just kind of be like, okay, she's going to be okay. It's just going to be a long road to get her there.
0: <laughs> well, that's so wonderful. And what, and how beautiful that that those words impacted you enough that you could remember that now share it. Remember that that can have an impact with your own daughter. It's, it's huge. Yeah, So good. Her. Just thinking in terms of your story and your message, one of the things that I love is that you just kind of give this assurance to your your readers and now the listeners of the podcast that you can take the fear and flip it into forgiveness. You can take the obligation and flip it into opportunity and the guilt and flip it into Grace, right? So it's really like this whole idea of a self-limiting belief, because I think a lot of the things that we've talked about is both reframing, but also kind of removing um, that self limiting. And I love how you talk about the, whether it's personality inventories or self assessments, because we really, we can't, think that our lives aren't on a continuum of growth. We have to be growing. So you're not who you were when you were, you know, 17, but you're able to flip some of those characteristics into positive now in the age and stage that you're at, because that's what we need to do. And we need to know ourselves in order to lead others. And, um, have you engaged with the Enneagram?
1: I have. Yes. I'm an eight. I'm a challenger. <laughs> awesome. So, for our
0: listeners that that either are like, "Whoa, I knew it," or they don't know the enneagram, what is that? What does being an eight mean to you?
1: So, being an eight means that I'm very direct, and <laughs> I can be a bit intimidating sometimes. But people love that I am. That either people love that I'm direct too, right? You never have to wonder what you're thinking when you're around a challenger, and. um that I also, you know, I haven't done a ton of studying on the enneagram, um, but I, I, from what I take from it, it's also that I challenge the people around me to kind of dig deep and be really direct and authentic with themselves too.
0: Well, that's awesome. And because we need, we need all types and we need to see where our strengths are, like you said, too, so that we can see how that can serve us and serve others. Uh, So I love it. And it makes a lot of sense then that you are uh, the head of a household of five (laughs) and 5,000 women. Uh, We didn't get to this piece, but you know, you're a mother of a five month old. Is that accurate?
1: I am. So this, everybody loves the story. Um, If you follow me on social media, you you would be like, oh my gosh, I thought you only had one kid because (laughs) little Cooper gets all the spotlight. But um, yeah, so I have a 13 year old, a 12 year old, a 10 year old, an almost nine year old, and a little caboose, five year old or five month old. He'll be six months, um, I guess, this week. His name is Cooper. And um, talk about talk about faith, Sarah. Oh my goodness. So I um, was having some, just some medical issues and was supposed to be going into actually have my tubes tied and have some other procedures done at the same time. And four days prior to that, I found out I was pregnant with little Cooper. So I had been told actually that I couldn't have children anymore. And I was frankly quite mad about it. I was pretty mad for nine months. (laughs) Really. I was just, I was the most fit that I had ever been. I had finally, you know, I had four kids in almost, in just under five years prior. So I had spent the, you know, the rest of that time trying to get myself back and figure out who I was again. And part of that was really taking care of myself and my health. And, um, I found out I was pregnant with Cooper and I was like, what are you doing, God? I am not okay with this plan. (laughs) And, you know, God doesn't care about my plan. So, um, it was a rough nine months, but man, when he showed up, he this little this little guy showed up and just transformed our family. It's been so fun to watch how everyone has just kind of um, changed and softened from seeing the world through Cooper's eye. Just shined a whole new light on reminding me that... You know, God has this much better plan for my life than I ever had, you know, taking it back to whenever I started with 31 to me, just saying, I'm just going to do this for three months. And here I am 12 years later and me saying, I'm done having kids. I'm going to go get my tubes tied and be done with that forever. And I have this sweet little baby boy. So, you know, God just steps in and we think we have so much control, but do we really?
0: (laughs) No, we don't. <laughs> but I love how you frame that. I that Thank you for being so honest that you were angry for nine months because I think many listeners might be able to relate to that. And, of course, we know that motherhood is a blessing and it's not one that comes easy to everybody. You know, not everybody has the blessing of a biological child and that can be really painful and the journey is just so unique to everybody. But thank you for sharing your unique piece there where uh, – you can be angry for nine months, but the minute that baby shows up, you're you've brought light to the world. So I'm I'm so thankful that yes, that's awesome.
1: And logically, I knew that whole five months. I knew it was going to be great, and I knew that a baby was a blessing. So yeah, I'm glad you even said that because you know, actually, um, uh, we we obviously have don't have. Um, fertility issues, because we have five biological children. But I have suffered through some miscarriages and things um, like that along the lines before I had my first child. And so I do know the pain, um, a taste of that pain. So by all means, thanks for making that call out. because I never want anyone to think that because I was angry about him that I ever dismissed that blessing because he is such a he's such a joy. So it is a privilege.
0: But, it, and I appreciate though, that you said it because it is okay to feel that way too. <laughs> I mean, honestly, because yeah. I'm thinking, you know, you already have these, you know, four children and, and, and you're a person, Lindsay, a very complicated, wonderful, beautiful soul on this complicated journey of really, you know, impacting the world in your life. And that's full, that's busy. I bet you have to remind yourself of your own advice often. And I know that the rest, anybody who's trying to lead in the world, we have to do that. We have to remind ourselves of our own advice, just as often as we give it. And so that real piece of you is just so welcome here. So thank you for that.
1: Yeah. And you know, I actually, it, it took a lot longer to finish my book because of it, because I just had to say, you know what, I'm not in the headspace to do this for a little while. (laughs) And, you know, I think you and I were talking before we got on here is it's a good thing that I wrote that book because I have to be reminded of, I'm glad I wrote it all down because I have to be reminded of all of it. All the time. <laughs> so I have to remind myself yes. that, that fear, obligation and guilt is, you know, not a place to live. And that, you know, it is okay to have all the feelings and all the emotions of being human, because that's what we all are, right? Fully human and um, that's why we rely on God so much.
0: It is. And so to gift the listeners a little bit with that, uh, Lindsay and I were chatting because my listeners most often know that I did write, you know, a co-authored a book on balance and um, you know, this new space has been really interesting. And so I shared with Lindsay that her message mattered to me last week when it came to me and I believe in the timing. And of course, this is a series on faith. So we know that that timing is not always ours, but that idea of doing something, even if it's good, even, even if you're not feeling like it's a burden, but it's become something that you can't sustain. You got to be able to take it off the plate and just having that filter of am I doing it because I'm fearful? Is it obligation or is it guilt? Then say no, uh, because the thing I was doing was it's something that I believe in, but it was really out of fear of not having a consistent income stream and it was, um, feeling, uh, you know, obligated to keep doing it as best I could for somebody that I really care about. And I would feel guilty walking away, but just your, the timing of your, your fog message was so critical for me to say no to something good so that I could make more space for what God has for me, not what I was choosing. So thank you for that because it had a significant impact just in a week on my life.
1: Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Thanks for sharing that.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, hey, Lindsay, I have a couple of standard questions that we need to get to on the in our podcast, and I don't know if you know who Nicole Norderman is, but she's one of my favorite um, contemporary Christian artists, and she has a, a song called "Dear Me," and in it, she writes a letter to herself, you know, her former self, and so I'm just curious if you were able to do that, if you were able to write a letter to your former self, what would you, what would you say?
1: I think that I would probably write a letter to my teenage self i mean just maybe to remind her or tell her that she doesn't have to use rebellion as a way to stand out that um you know you can you can use that rebellion and turn it into courage kind of like we talked about earlier oftentimes i just think those rebellious kids are just so misunderstood and misdirected and so i think i would just go back and remind me that being courageous and being outspoken, it's not a negative thing. You know, um, somebody has to take a stand and be vulnerable or we'd never learn from each other. And I think that, um, <clears throat> I would just kind of try to remind, to, you know, show her me through those eyes. Cause there's no way I ever would have believed that I would be an author right now back then. So, you know, that hindsight is so, is, it's just always so eye opening. So,
0: Beautiful. And I think that listeners can relate to that. And I love that you picked the teenager and that you go back to this rebellious because looking at you and looking at your life, it's it's hard to picture you as we all have our own idea of what rebellious might look like, but you flip that into courageous and you're my people. That, that courage is so Critical. So, thank you for that. As an influential woman, if we have a listener or two that's finding themselves in a pit of fear or doubt, them, you know, and they need to hear your voice right now to help them rise up out of it, what would you say?
1: So, I think I would just remind them that fear, obligation, and guilt are honestly just like Satan's way of distracting you. So, I have such this huge faith in in God and in Jesus, and where um, we we focus there a lot, but we forget that there's this ultimate enemy out there distracting us and and trying to get our attention. And so I feel like you can identify that by um, noticing where you feel like you're not enough or that you're too much. It oftentimes exhausts you. And when you think about fear, obligation, and guilt, and we talk about that fog, think about in moments that you're really confused and you don't know which way to go and you you're kind of like, oh my gosh, where was I going or what was I doing or why did I choose to do this? To me, that is just Satan's way of distracting you because he knows that if you get through it, if you push forward, something great is going to happen for, you know, for God's glory. So I just think that it's really interesting how when we can kind of press through that, we really find, um, we really find our true selves when we can get through that fear, obligation, and guilt. So whatever it is that you're so scared of, just push right through it because that is probably your opportunity to really shine.
0: You're just a light right there out of the pit for so many listeners. I'm certain of it. So thank you so much, Lindsay, for for giving us that reality. I I love it. And I'm going to go ahead and and link your awe-inspiring recommendations in the show notes for listeners. Of course, listeners know that they can uh, access all of that in the show notes because we're running short on time. But I just wanted to thank you, Lindsay, and would you just share what do you think is the best way for a listener to engage with you if if they found just a lot of inspiration, want to connect with you again?
1: Sure, the best thing to do is go um, to my website because you can um, you can get my book there. You can find me on Instagram or Facebook. I kind of show up in all of those places, so wherever um, wherever the listener shows up, and my website is um, lindsayhale.org. And I know you said you were. Gonna- to link that. But um, yeah, so I spend a lot of time on Facebook, maybe, I, I suppose. Maybe that's not good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, right. shows your human side again, right? Yep. We all find our ways to connect. <laughs> yes. So I will definitely link how to get a hold of Lindsay in the show notes so that it's just really easy because your message is so critical. It's I know that my listeners are going to resonate with it. And I cannot wait to bring your message to my listeners and also to finish reading Lifted because I know clearly that it's a message that has impact and will continue to have impact. So thank you for pushing through your own fear, getting out of the fog and coming out into the light to share it with the world.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me, Sarah. I really have enjoyed chatting with you.